0: My name is Hemishul and I'm the founder of RX Group and the host of Let's Talk Quality. Let's Talk Quality is a podcast aimed at quality assurance professionals in pharma and biotech. Join us to learn from some of the best QA leaders around the world and hear how they've developed their careers as they provide some practical insights into how they've got to the top of their field. Our mission is to shine a light on what good quality assurance really means for pharma and biotech. What impact does it really have on the patient? We want to explore some of the biggest challenges facing the sector and inspire the next generation of quality assurance leaders to continue to help bring safer and better quality therapies to patients. Welcome to season one. I hope you enjoy the show. Um, Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Thanks. I'm doing well. Um, Great to have you show. I think you're the the first global head of QC that we've um, had on the show. Um, That's a
1: tremendous honor. Thank you for having me. I'm really appreciative of you even uh, willing to talk with me.
0: No, absolutely. Pleasure to have you on. Um, Brian, do you want to give the listeners a high-level overview of who you are and what your current role is?
1: Sure. Uh, You know, I I love to mention a couple of things in that I'm a graduate of the University of South Carolina and Duke University. So proud of both of those. Uh, Always want to mention those. But uh, right now, uh, I find myself as the global head of quality control for CSL Securus, which uh, we do. Uh, Vaccines, and so really excited about that. It's kind of been a culmination of a long uh, period, right? Through my career, uh, I've been in and out of vaccines, but I've always been around biologics, and I think that, and even the quality control aspect has always been such an important thing to me. Um, You know that when you think about quality, is really important, right? It's one of the basis, one of the basics of our industry, and I think. Uh, For me, that's the the interesting thing and the the fun part about it is is staying close to the quality side of things. And of course, you knowing that you have uh, an impact on the patient. I think with a lot of the biologics that we do, we have such an impact there. And so that's the exciting part for me. So it's been great. I have laboratories in Melbourne, Australia, Amsterdam, uh, Liverpool, England, and Holly Springs, North Carolina, where I'm based.
0: So you're working around the clock then.
1: You know, it does. Uh, it, this time, we start to get... The clock start changing. Uh, yeah. The meetings go from early morning meetings to a lot of late evening meetings. Yeah. Uh, it's, it can be a real challenge fitting in all those time zones. It, it is it is uh, probably the hardest part of my job.
0: So we're going to talk a bit about uh, QC, obviously, um, and, and a bit yeah. about your journey to get to where you are. Um, obviously, you're now global head of QC at Securus you know, Global Farmer, leading 350 people. Um, However, I suppose you don't just get to that position. Um, it doesn't just, um, you don't just wake up one day and you're leading a global team of of QC. Um, yeah. And you've, I know that you've had a lot of challenges and frustrations along that journey, which I think you're keen to yeah. to share. So um, I'd like to discuss your journey, how, you know, how you got to where you are now and talk about some of the challenges that you faced along the way, um, because I'm sure there's plenty of people that are going through that journey right now uh, and we'd love to yeah. hear some of that
1: yeah you know I think that's one of the things that you look at this and, and so many people think that you know when you arrive at something like this they look and they say you know like you said it, you just sort of arrived there here you are and um, it's, it's never that simple a story it's never a straight line journey and and I think when I look back um, so, I think one of the things that's really interesting and I think helped me get to this point is having a lot of different experiences. Um, I've been all over the manufacturing and operations side of the business, I, I've been in quality control and a, a job that's very much interfacing between. Say, you know, development and quality control. I've been in regulatory. Uh, I've been in uh, all the way over to technical services and working with the process, which is really interesting, right? When you get to live the consequences of all the measurements that you make and really understand that. Uh, You know, that's such a fascinating thing. And I think people get, and I was like that, got really frustrated with maybe. Side moves instead of north moves, yeah. and for me, um, that was one of the biggest frustrations. Uh, I had a lot of people who were giving me great feedback and, and telling me the things I was doing really well and, and giving me some feedback for improvement, things that I could do better. Um, you know, getting great ratings, and yet I was stuck seemingly at the same title over and over. And, you know, at one point I was the youngest uh, associate director at Wyeth, right? Uh, you know, that, I, don't know if that was a, I don't know if that was true or not, but that's why I was told. And, and then, you know, I'm sitting there and, I'm, and it's not happening for me. And I'm going, why? What, what, is, what am I not doing? What am I not doing right? And uh, I panicked in some cases. Um, and I think it caused me even to make, look and consider some moves that, uh, thankfully, some of them I didn't make. I'm really glad I didn't because it wasn't going to be the right move for me. Um, I was very fortunate through that experience to have some great mentors. And I think one of the things that people need to realize they tend to think of mentor and they they take as mentor. I think of it as mentors. You know, there's always an s at the end of that because it's never just one person you're working with. You're really kind of drawing from all of these people. That are helping you and ultimately kind of guiding you. And I was very fortunate that I had some really good people: a uh, Ray Kaiser, who's still in the industry; Neil Chanel, who has since retired; uh, Kent Murphy; uh, Voss Mabrogenis. My. Current boss Karen Netherton. I'm very fortunate I've had some great, great, great people along the way who have been really key for me and have guided me in the right way. I can't forget John McConnell, who's one of my buddies, never been a boss, but a very good friend of mine and a co-author of one of the books that we've done together. Um, it, it just having that kind of slog through that was tough. And knowing that I felt like I was doing the right things, I felt like I was going in the right direction, I was learning, I was growing, but nothing was happening. And so it, it it caused me to I I and, and it's now in hindsight I can look back and say, that was the best thing that happened to me. I, I didn't realize at the time I had no perspective whatsoever, but I can look back with hindsight now and see I was learning how to be a better leader. I was learning in a training ground where I could make mistakes, I could do things that weren't a good idea, I could do things that that were frankly wrong and I I needed to not ever do again. And that was a great opportunity. If I had done, if I had gotten to a higher level, there wouldn't have been the forgiveness on that. And so I think for me, that perspective that I wish that I had when I was younger, I really wish I could have seen that and recognized what was happening at the time, because I think I would have made more of it and I would have been less frustrated. Um, that being said, I will say one of the things that frustration for me, when I get frustrated like that, when things aren't going, or I, I encounter a problem that I'm not really sure how I'm going to deal with that. Um, for me, one of the things I do is to start to break it down into the manageable parts. Right? Um, one of my favorite quotes, and I've used it uh, very recently a lot, is, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. right?" So, If you've got a big problem, if you've got a big situation, um, trying to solve it all at once is not going to be possible. Just trying to break it down into manageable parts. And I think even for a career, you can do it that way. You know, what does this role offer me? What's, you know, if, if I'm going to do this, you know, I'm going to do this for a period of time. What can I glean from this? What, you know, I'm frustrated right now, but what am I learning right now? What am I doing that's helping me? What, uh, maybe there's some adjacencies, maybe there's, you know, I'm, I'm on the board of the, uh, cast organization. And that was something that came out of a desire to try to kind of bolster my resume and maybe do some other things, uh, outside of, just, you know, the, the company. And so I think some of those things were really helpful. So, mm. uh, you know, I, I, for me, the challenges really lie in that area of just kind of having perspective and it's really hard, but mentors can help you
0: with that. Yeah. And it, it's, it's all very well, like in hindsight, knowing that, because now, you know, yeah. you know, looking back it how much of a, I suppose, a blessing or a hidden, hidden blessing it, it, yeah. it was to, mm-hmm. to be in that position, because it teaches you resilience. It teaches you um, how to, how to go you know how to get through those tough parts of your career but when you were in that situation what motivated you to keep on going and what how you know did you have something that was driving you forward because a lot of people would get frustrated and and may even um you know may may go down a different path
1: absolutely and and i think one of the things that that you mentioned the word resilience And, and it's funny that that's such a it's such a big word right now you know, when I first started, when we I've I, I, you know, talked about leadership for years and years and years, and resilience wasn't a word I used a lot or even really thought about. And it's a quality now that I see in leadership, especially in, in the environment that we're in today. Oh, my gosh, it's so important. Resilience has become maybe one of the most important leadership characteristics. How do you take a gut punch and recover from it? Um, you know, that, that is really, uh, you, until you're really tested, you don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. And uh, you know there there's always Mike Tyson's one of my favorite quotes. Mike Tyson's not one that to, to quote a lot from, but he said, "You know, everybody's got a plan until you get hit in the mouth." Yeah. Um And so uh, you know that kind of thing. Everybody's got a career plan until something doesn't go the way you want it to. And um I think one of the things that I've kind of maintained, and I think for people, is to have that North star. Um, what is where are you aiming for? what What is that thing that you want? And it doesn't have to be what everybody else wants. It doesn't have to be what other people want for you. It has to be what you want for yourself. Um, I think one of the examples for me, uh, you know, I started very early in my career. Um, I, I had a vice president of quality at Lilly. His name was Alan Dinner. And he was a PhD analytical chemist, uh, had grew up through the insulin franchise a lot, a lot like myself. And so I saw, I looked at him and I said, this could be me. This could be me in the future. And so at the time, that was where I wanted. I said I wanted to be a VP of quality and I wanted a company the size of Lilly. Kind of a, at the time, they were a mid-range pharmaceutical company. Uh, they've gotten quite successful and quite big now and I wish them the best uh, because they were a great training ground. And, and so I had a great opportunity to kind of always, that was what I was going for. So every move that I was making, every move I was considering was done in the light of, is that going to help me get to that role that I really want to get to at the end? and. Uh, to even today I still do that kind of that that kind of thought process is what is the move? What is the next move? What is the next opportunity? What is the next challenge going to help me get? Is that going to help me get experience or or knowledge? And it's not just about getting something on your resume. It's not just saying, okay, yeah. oh, great, I've checked this box, I've got this you know, this title on my resume. It's about what experiences, what challenges, what leadership opportunities, how is this going to develop me? To be a better leader. You know, as I look at as, as a leader in quality control, uh, I mentioned that stint in tech services. It was the best thing that I did for helping me for this role. Uh, most people wouldn't say, oh, yeah, you got to have a stint in technical services or on the process side of the business to be a quality control head. Oh, but my goodness, you know, being able to have that understanding of how the measurements we make affect the operations business, and then the credibility that I can have with my operations colleagues, because I do understand what they're up against. Yeah. And so both of those things were not things I would have understood or would have ever considered important for this job. In hindsight, again, it, it's something I recognize really was. Um, yeah, for true. a lot of folks, though, it's hard to kind of have that North Star. You, I ask people all the time, I'll sit down and you know, I'll say, what do you want to be when yeah. you grow up? <laughs> you know, what do you want to do? Yeah. That's a classic kind of, you know, nice, a uh, uh, little uh, simple way to ask a question, but It really is. What do you want to be when you grow up? And you don't have to have that exactly what you want to do 30 years from now. I didn't know, you know, I I had a plan. I wanted to be that VP of quality, you know, 30 years ago uh, or 25 years ago. That being said, I, I, you know, that was a developing goal all the way along, but I kind of had that in my mind. And so I think for people to really kind of do the things and, and soul searching, talk with mentors, talk, you know, look in themselves, spend time meditating, contemplating, whatever it takes to kind of figure out what that is that you want. Even if you can define 10 years down the line or five years down the line, that yeah. can still help you really kind of understand how those moves are going to fit together for you.
0: Yeah. I I, I really agree with the whole finding in North Star and and, and and it's a difficult thing to to, to do um is to just know right this is where i want to be in 20 years 30 years or whatever um do you have any advice or tactics, strategies that you use to help people realize what their north star is and and why why that is
1: yeah i do actually um and it's funny how you asked this question there's a, there's some very academic way that you mm-hmm. can do that um there is a test called the strong interest inventory it's one of my favorite tests and um, it's, uh, it's 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 named by a guy named strong which it sounds like it really is really a cool test and what they did was they said okay well we're going to ask people if they like their job or not um in different careers and they were going to ask people if they like their job or not if you like your job We're going to give you this personality test and we're going to ask you all these questions. And then what they can do is they can give you that same test. So you could go and take that test and you put down the you answer the questions the same way, what you like and what you don't like. And then they will match that up and they can say, you know, if you, you know, you like the same things as a lawyer who likes their job, which is really helpful, right? It can open some eyes and understand what maybe interest you might have. And um at the hard part, of course, is sometimes it's not designed for the pharmaceutical industry, so you kind of, you have to do some interpretation with it. But it's really helpful if you want to do from an academic sense. Hmm. Um, when I mentor people and they ask me those kind of questions, um, what do you want? You know, what do I? What do you want to be when I grow up? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I'll say, okay, well, think about it this way. Don't, don't focus on roles. Don't think about when you look at an organization, don't say, I want to be this. There are some roles that will always exist. There's always going to be a VP of quality, right? There, you're always going to have someone in charge of quality for a company. That's just kind of how we operate. There are lots of other jobs that come and go, things that you are here today and don't exist. Uh, you know, who's six months ago thought a head of AI would exist? Mm. Right. And now, and now those are jobs that are everywhere. Everybody's really scrambling to figure out what this is going to do for our business. Mm. So I think really what I ask people to do is talk about what five things do you really like doing? When you think about it, what are the five things that you do as part of your job? Is it you've Mm. done as part, you've done before that you say, these are five things I love doing. I'm surprised the company pays me to do this, do Mm. these things. Um, and then I say, what are the three things that you really hate? And it doesn't matter how fun it is. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter how many, how little you have to do it. it is always work. And, you know, th- this is why the company does pay you. you know, So, yeah. um, and then you can really look at that when you get those five and five things you like, and the three things you don't, you can really start to ask yourself, what, how do these jobs fit in that? You know, if this job that you're looking at does it do those five things? Does it not do the three things, you know, and, and kind of really kind of balance that together. And re- again, that's a soul searching kind of thing. You really got to be honest with yourself and really honest with the role and not get excited about the title, but really what you're doing there. And I, I think the last most important point of all of this, I you talk about the academic sense I talk about, you know, maybe figuring out what you like and don't like you've, it's gotta be values based at the yeah. end of the day. It has to be what is important to you what are you motivated by? What are the things that you say? This is me. This is who I am, and and for me, you know, that is about. I, I love quality. I love improving businesses. I love you know variability reduction and, and things that really the true definition of quality, Deming and Juran's. You know, mm. that's this is the kind of quality I love and I'm passionate about getting that and improving and, and seeing organizations get better, and. That is something that's who that's just core to me. And if I went to an organization where um, there was not an expectation of really kind of getting better and really serious about that, that's not an organization for me. And yeah. there's a, there's no you know there's no point giving me a title because that's not something I'm going to be interested in.
0: Yeah, because it's similar to that. I'll look at the what is it, the strong. Um strong interest inventory it's a really neat well, i guess yeah.
1: really you have to look that up uh, yeah. there's some available resources sometimes it's uh, you can there's a there's some inexpensive resource really like we're talking like fifty bucks kind of thing yeah, yeah. Uh, to be able to take this test and get it uh and work with someone that'll help you with that
0: yeah similar to, uh, i mean uh, have you heard of ikigai the japanese um philosophy of like finding your, your purpose. So it's like, oh, what, what, what do you love doing? Yeah. What does yeah. the world need from you? What can you, uh, what are you good at? And I think it's like, what can you be paid for and yes. try and find things that fall into all four of those brackets. I might've got that wrong, but yeah. some um, That's a great and, way to
1: think about yeah. it. I love,
0: I, actually, I need to look that up. That needs to be, <laughs> I can, I could sound a little more intelligent when I talk about
1: this with other folks.
0: Um, so that, yeah, some really good tactics there, um, like practical things that you can that yeah. you use with your team to to find the north star. Um, I suppose going back to what you were talking about, moving laterally, um, mm-hmm. and you 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 worked in different uh, functions as um, associate director or director. What, what was the benefit of moving laterally from or going from QC into technical and regulatory different different parts of it, and then um, progressing from there? How, how did you find that and and what are the benefits for someone who thinks there's only a linear line to where they want to get to
1: yeah i think one of the things for me the obvious benefit right is to sit in different chairs right you're you're, you look at um i know i use the elephant analogy again i'm going to use that again you've all we've all seen that meme right where they have the people that are blindfolded and one person's feeling the trunk one person's feeling the the tail and one person and they're all describing something very different but they're they're just seeing an elephant Right. And so the idea that if you are looking at it from a different perspective, you get a different view. And so I think that's one of the valuable things of moving is just that you just get a different view of the same thing. And it, it helps you. It helps broaden your perspective. Right. It's like travel and they, they talk about all these other things that broaden your perspective. That's the same thing. It broadens your perspective from a work work aspect. Um I think the other thing that you get out of this uh, when you really think that laterally is you get a chance to extend yourself. You get mm-hmm. to see who you and what you are really made up. Um, I, I see a lot of folks, um, confidence is a big thing. They, mm-hmm. They're they're scared. They're fearful of making a mistake. They're fearful of going into a place where they you know, won't be able to do it. They're fearful of whether they're going to be able to do it or not. And I, that just baffles me. I think we, we spend, we, I don't think as management, I, I don't expect perfection. I tell my organization all the time, I don't expect perfection. I expect excellence. That's a, two very different concepts. Excellence says you can make mistakes, but you're going to learn from them yeah. and you're going to be better and you're going to make sure you prevent other mistakes because of mistakes that you've made. And so I think for folks to be able to move into a new place and get the confidence that you can. Do that. That you can be good at that. Mm. Um, that's that's a tremendous opportunity. And for for me, a lot of times, what I recommend to folks is don't have two big things in a new role. And I'll give an example. So when you get a role, let's say you've been an individual contributor in one area of the business, say in QC, and you get offered a supervisory position in manufacturing, that's two big things. You're now adding on. You were adding on supervision, which is a big thing and learning how to manage people is a big thing. And you're going into a new technical area. So you got to learn that technical area as well. That, I don't like doing two things. I like doing one thing. So if I'm a supervisor going to another supervisory role in a, in a new organization, that's a great move because that gives you the one thing to focus on. You're already a good manager. You're a good leader. You understand how to do that. New group of people to learn, but at least you're, you can focus on the technology and learning that yeah. while you're learning people. Yeah. Um, conversely, if you know the tech, if you're looking to make a move to management, probably stay in your field, your technical field. So that way you have that kind of reliance on that. I understand the technical so I can focus on learning how to be a leader and how to do that effectively. So um, that's what I used to like to folks when you think about a lateral move. Make sure you're not trying to do too much in, in one lateral move. It's yeah. OK to take one move to go to another move, even if it's another lateral. Um, it, things can happen very quickly for me. I spent a long time, about 10 years, uh, as an associate director level, uh, Mm. when I had my move north to the level that I'm at, it happened... I got three promotions in like five years. So it happened very quickly. Um, And that was because of the long slog at the associate director level. That made that three
0: promotions in five years possible. Yeah, it's brilliant. And so you then, um, you went to Sagiris and you were site head of quality? Is that right? Correct. And then mm-hmm. you moved into the global QC uh, role. Um, yes. Yeah. So, what does what did that transition? How was that transition? And and what does um, I suppose if we go into the QC aspect of the discussion, what does a leading a, a global QC organization uh, look like? And what what are the um, I suppose what 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 do, what are the metrics that define a, a great QC organization? Oh yeah, you're gonna you're hitting right in my wheelhouse now. I tell you. So uh, when I was hired
1: to Securus, uh, they were contemplating the move to a global functional organization like we have today, and so um, they were looking to hire in leaders that would be ready for that transition. So I was hired in as the head of quality for the Holly Springs site with the intent that I was going to be the head of quality control when that function, if that function, they were still contemplating that it wasn't a guarantee. Um, so I kind of had to earn that job and be good at that job because it's, this job might not happen. Fortunately, this job did. Um, and it was a great opportunity for me. We talked earlier about the North Star from a leadership perspective. Well, there's a North Star for organizations too. And uh, for me, one of the things, you know, getting the quality control job was kind of a culmination of my entire career. I started in quality control uh, I have done things in and around to support this. This was really, I think where I was destined to be. I didn't know that at the time, but I think I can look back and say, this was the culmination. And for me, the first and foremost for a great quality control organization, first and foremost, you have to be dedicated to safety. Safety is the most important thing. There is no thing that comes before safety. And we want to make sure that people are you know, operating in a safe manner, that we are focused and talking about safety, we start every meeting with safety. Uh, we have a number of awards that we do uh, for safety. We identify hazards. We have expectations and metrics around hazard identification. We celebrate people that bring forward hazards. Even if it's mistakes, we celebrate those because we know we're fixing it and helping people from getting hurt. Um metrics, all in safety, just got to be, just got to be there. And one of the nice things is identifying hazards is a leading metric, which is great, right? It's going to tell you your safety performance on the back end. So second thing after that, and, and this is, again, right? I mean, just barely second after safety is variability reduction. And uh, you know, this was something I learned from my mentor, John McConnell, I mentioned earlier. Um, I remember going to his class, and I often describe my time, my career as before John's class and after John's class uh, because that, that aspect of the real idea that quality is about reducing variability. And from a quality control perspective, that is super important yeah. because yeah. many measurements we make, we directly affect, or if we have what I call the process-relevant test, if we have a test that we make and it determines how much is put in the vial or the syringe, that's a process-relevant test. Any variability we have from an analytical perspective goes straight to the process. So, um as a quality control head, my you know I started off, and I, I I told the organization, we're going to be about reducing variability and harmonizing and making sure every analyst is doing exactly the same way. And we've had tre- tremendous successes. We've seen assays you know reduce the variability by half, and that's just by getting the analysts together and making sure they're all doing things exactly the same way, right? Procedures have some wiggle room in there because of validation. you validated this, and you can you know incubate from 30 to you know 35 degrees, or you can you know, you know you can let, let it go for you know 45 to 75 minutes. But everybody doing it the same way helps you reduce the variability and gives you better measurements out, out on the back end. Um, and I think the last thing that I would say, of course, you can't forget the people. Uh, we are not an organization built of robots. Uh, and you have to really think about your people and focus on how are you developing them? How are you helping them get to their goals and dreams? And, and how are you enriching their their lives? And and again, how are you tying the work that they do back to the patient? It's just so important to remember that, and I tell my folks all the time, what they do saves lives. And it really is true. When we look at vaccines and the proxy national significance of well, a lot of the antivenoms we do out of Australia... We are literally saving people's lives, and I want my folks to really understand that what they do every day is going to save a life. And so, if they really kind of understand the purpose behind what they do, uh, that makes all it makes a lot of other things fall right in place.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I suppose with so that's really good. So, safety, variability, people. The, yeah. the kind of three pillars that you have um, structured your your leadership and, and building the organization um, around. Um,
1: yeah. And you'll uh, hear a lot of times people talk about compliance as well. And, and yeah. I, I, I bristle a little bit at that. You notice I didn't say compliance was one of them. Mm-hmm. And unless people think that I'm not interested in compliance or you know that aspect of following procedures... No, 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 very much so. But I believe an organization that is focused on variability reduction and harmonization, hmm. compliance will come out of it, right? Following procedures and doing everything the same way, that just comes out of that adherence to variability reduction and commitment to that.
0: Yeah. So what's your, I guess to kind of cap off the conversation, what's your vision now for for you and I suppose your function, the organization? Um, I know that's a big question, but where where do you see things going over the next few years?
1: Oh, I'm super excited about where things are going from a quality control perspective. We have, uh, we've done so many really interesting things. And I think if you look back, uh, we've got what we're we're calling Project Apollo. And it really is about kind of really getting ruthlessly efficient at what we do. Uh, we've been all on the variability journey. The safety journey, that's business as usual. Everybody thinks that way right now. Variability is so embedded that I don't have to focus on it. I don't have objectives around it anymore. It's okay. just business. It's part of our DNA now. It's embedded, yeah. And so, yeah. And when you get that, you now it takes off. And now I can start thinking really strategically about how do we get even better? And it's about how do we do more with the people that we've got? How do we get better with our metrics? I want, you know, right now I I set a goal that I wanted us to be at a certain level for the number of invalids, you know, so you do an assay, it doesn't work as you intend it to do. You have to repeat it. You know, I wanted a a certain rate for that. And I set that goal for what I wanted to be in 2025. And my organization met it 18 months after I set it. So that was like four years, that was like four or five years out. They said they did it in 18 months. So I think we have a, a tremendous organization that is filled with excellent, excellent people who are uh, and excellent leaders as well, that are led really, really well. And so I think for us, that's the basis, right, to take us to the next level. And I always say, I don't want to be the best quality control organization in vaccines or in flu or in pharma. I want to be the best quality con- control organization, full stop. And I think we can be that. I think we have that capability in us. I think the next step of our journey is... The, as uh, Jim Collins called it, the good to great. Right? We're really, really good. Maybe even great. I want us to be excellent, and I think that's uh, that's the next step of our journey.
0: Excellent. Well, you can see how you've, you know, you've you've got some great succession underneath you. Um, you can see how you're inspiring people to come on that journey with you. Um, so, yeah, um, that's exciting. Um, a couple of quick fire questions just to finish off the conversation. Um, All right,
1: this is a lightning round. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, First question would be, um, what do you think, and, and you've already discussed a lot of this, but if you were to summarize, what would you um, or do you say makes a great QC. leader?"
1: A great QC leader, I think, is um, selfless. I, I believe that Jim Collins kind of that selfless leader that really is more concerned. That's not something I mentioned, but is really more concerned about growing and developing the leaders underneath them uh, more than that, and, and really more than themselves. And really, it's not about you; it's about them. And how do you and how do you help the organization be everything and reach its potential? So that's how I would sum up. I think you've got to you've got to think along those lines. If you think about what others need more than what you need. You you can't help but be successful. You'll get those safety. You'll get that variability reduction. You'll get that people focus. All that comes out
0: if you stop focusing on yourself. Amazing. Um, final question. What inspires you? What gets you up in the morning?
1: I, what has got me, gets me up in the morning, uh, that gets me up every day. And obviously, uh, you know, my family is so important to me. Um, I have, a, an amazing, uh, spouse, uh, supportive of me and, um, I've got an amazing family, um, and I'm very, very happy and pleased for them. What gets me up in the morning is there are a lot of other people who don't get up that way. They don't get up and they have that. They're worried about something that's going to happen to one of their folks or, um, you know, they've got, they've got a challenge. They're not, they're going to face later. They don't even realize right now. And so I think about the patients. I think about those people out there that are, are struggling and need help. Um, and so that, that's what gets me is, is, you know, it's nice to get, a, it's nice to get, a, have a good job and get paid for it. And, um that's all important but for me I've always worked I'm very proud of the medicines that I've worked on in the past I've worked on insulin uh Prevnar uh, a great vaccine um you know tasabri. I've worked on some great drugs in the past that do really do change lives and I'm so proud to work on the drug that the, right now the drugs that, right, that we work on right now that change lives, and also not only that but um, can really save lives. Uh, so that, that's what gets me up every day is to know that that I can I can make a difference. I tell my kids what I want them to do. I only want two things from them. I say number one, I want you to be happy. Whatever that means for you, what it, what makes you happy, do that. And number two. Please do something good for the world. Make the world a better place because you were here. So uh, it would be hypocritical of me not to ask the same of myself, well, you know, really to be happy and ultimately to, to make sure the world is a better place because I was here for
0: Brian um, it's been a really inspiring and, and fascinating conversation and I think a lot of people whether you're in QA, QC um, the wider industry I think a lot of people in any industry going through a, a, their career can learn a lot from what you said in the first part of the conversation around um, the frustration the resilience that you showed and, and finding your North Star and um, utilising mentors um, in, in your career I think there's some really good uh, advice and then obviously talking about how you built the Q C function and um the, the kind of three pillars that you um that you work around. Um and, and yeah, there's some really good practical, um, insights and tips for, for people um, that are on that journey as well. So I, I always appreciate- to think
1: I've got some of those things. I never know how good they are or not, but, uh, you know, I think for me, um, I hope that people can learn. I, I love for people to learn from my mistakes, right? That's true wisdom, right? Not learning from your mistakes, but learning from the mistakes of others. And, um, yeah. I think if you can, if, if people, are uh, really Kind of adhere to some of those things. I hope that they can maybe find what they find what they will will help them to be good uh, and happy. Right? Those
0: two yeah. things: be happy and
1: do good for the world.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And Brian, if people, uh, if anyone would like to get hold of you, maybe to uh, get some mentorship from yourself um, or, or, or for whatever <laughs> reason, um, is LinkedIn generally the best way to, to contact you?
1: I think it is. That's uh, LinkedIn's a nice way to do that. I always love to link it with people in throughout the industry, and I'd love for them if they link to me. Just let them know that they they listen to you. And so, uh, you know, when this goes global, and you know, you're the biggest (laughs) podcaster in the world, uh, I want to be able to say that I was on when the early phase. Right? That's right.
0: Well, I keep checking how many listeners I've got, so it's it's slowly going up. (laughs) So, I got a got a a bit of time to go, but um, yeah, no, appreciate you (laughs) appreciate you coming on, uh, Brian, and you're in um North Carolina. Um, That's correct. Where you based. Very yeah, nice. you can
1: have me on anytime you want. Uh, any topic you want to talk on, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can't chat about that, see if we can help
0: people. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, uh, Brian. I appreciate your time. Um, really great to chat, uh, talk to you soon. Thank you
1: so much. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's show. I hope that you got value from it, whether you're starting your career in quality or if you're at the top of your field. Today's episode was brought to you by RX Group. I'm the founder of RX Group. We are a pharma and biotech recruitment organization focusing purely on quality assurance. We recruit consultants and senior level permanent quality professionals into the pharma and biotech industry. If we can support you, whether that be in a hiring capacity or if you yourself are looking for work, Please get in touch with me on LinkedIn, visit our LinkedIn page where you can subscribe to the podcast and visit our website www.rx-group.io to find out more about us. See you soon.